You're listening to Making a Living Show. I'm Roby Levy. Hi, my name is Ellen Skura, and I make puppets for a living. Ellen Skura's childhood love of puppets led her to learn sewing as a teen, and eventually to making puppets for her own kids. Her handmade, one-of-a-kind creations quickly caught the eyes of teachers, and the requests started pouring in. Ellen has gone on to participate in countless craft shows, including the one and only One-of-a-Kind show, where she's been exhibiting for over 30 years. Here's my chat with Ellen Skura. Who are you, and what do you make for a living? Hi, my name is Ellen Skura, and I make puppets for a living. Nobody makes puppets for a living. Well, <laughs> I try. I try and make a living from making puppets. Uh, it's a fun thing to do. Uh, making puppets is creative and fun and imaginative, and uh, it makes for a, a good day every day. Okay, so how did you get started making puppets? Well, I've always loved puppets, and I've always loved making things. I've done so many different crafts in my life. And when my first child was born, I happened to see Sherry Lewis on TV showing how to make a sock puppet. And I was like, oh, lamb chop. How do you make lamb chop? So I picked up a sock. It happened to be a sock that my grandmother had hand knit out of wool. And I thought, I can make something out of that. So I made a horse. I called him Fred. And and he was great. And he was lots of fun. And both my little boys liked to play with it. And then I made other little simple puppets. And uh, when they went to kindergarten, the kindergarten teacher said, hey, we love your puppets. Do you think you could make a dragon? And I'd never really designed a big thing myself, but I took a tall making course and the lady said, hey, you got a talent designing. So I made a dragon and it went from there. Uh, The puppets just, they took over what I was making. It wasn't my choice. It was their choice. Hey, I really like your horse. Can you make me a dragon? That is definitely something no one has ever (laughs) said to me in my life. Well, that's hilarious. So you, so you started making puppets. Who taught you to make a puppet? Well, nobody really taught me. I, I had done a lot of, I taught myself how to sew. And then I just tried a few kits making toys. And uh, once, I, once I made that sock puppet, I just was able to see things 3D. And once you can do that, once you can see it 3D, you can make the patterns and do it. And my main goal in making my puppets is making things that are comfortable and easy to manipulate. Uh, So sometimes they don't, uh, when they're off the hand, uh, they don't look as great. But as soon as you put it on the hand and you put your hand in there, you can make it very expressive and it's fun to work with because it's comfy. Talk to me about ideas for puppets. I mean, What are your puppets, generally speaking? Do you focus on a certain type of puppet? You started with a horse, but then you went right into dragons, which I've got to assume is is an incredibly high bar in the puppeting world. (laughs) How how did you find what you were going to make as a puppet? Well, a lot of things inspire me. Uh, Nature inspires me. So I may be out for a walk and see a bird and think, oh, I want to make a bird. Where I'm I'm living now, where my studio is, there's lots of bunnies. So I want to make bunnies. I've always loved fantasy. I love fantasy books. And so dragons and any kind of character like that, I make unicorns, dragons, pegasus. That inspires me. Just fabrics. I love fabrics. I love shopping for them. So I may see a fabric, and in that fabric, I see the creature that I want to make. But most of my creatures are are real, as in animals or something like a dragon, as real as a dragon is. I've made people, but they're not my favorite thing. Uh, Sometimes customers ask me for things. And if it's something I want to make and I want to include to my line, then I go for it. 
And sometimes it's a custom order, like I made flowers for um, a theater group, great big flowers. That were (laughs) actually functioning as puppets? Like they actually had like mouths and eyes? Yeah, they were puppets. So there was a rose and I can't remember what the other two puppets are, but so I made those. and, uh, And then I've also made things for stories like that same theater company I made uh, a spider for the Anansi stories or children's stories so yeah that that inspires me color anything that I see out there uh, that makes me think wow that would be an interesting puppet I've made monsters before but they're not really my forte you know what you're good at and what you're not good at and yeah so why puppets and not dolls I mean why do they have to literally you have to put your hand on it and then did you bring them to life? Is that important? For me, that's important. I am a doll collector from when I was very young. And um, you can make dolls do, you know, do things. But puppets, you're speaking through the puppet. So the puppet becomes part of you when you put it on your hand. And for me, play should, it's important that it's creative play. Uh, it's interactive play. And educational. So like in the schools I've done, schools do themes in their their classes. So I've done underwater puppets. So I've done octopus and things like that. Or they've done bugs and I've done a lot of different bugs. But I just feel that when the child puts it on their hand, they they can express things they can't normally express. So I I make a turtle and I make a lot of like peekaboo puppets and the turtle can go in and out of his shell. And The turtle I've sold to um, a number of um, psychiatrists, psychologists, uh, children's therapy groups, because that turtle is very shy. So when the child puts the turtle on their hand, they can tell that person what's bothering them because their inner self comes out through the puppet. And I think that's what I like about puppets. Did you ever do any performance with the puppets? I mean, is this part of something that that may have originated as an act or a desire to be on stage puppeteering? I I think I've always been interested in puppeteers and, you know, like I love Jim Henson. I loved when I was young, I I loved the puppets on different children's shows. Uh, I grew up long, long ago. So we, (laughs) I watched like uh, friendly giant and uh, Shailen and um, you know, Mr. Dress up. And I love Topo Gijo that was on Ed Sullivan show, things like that. And I always thought I would like to do that. But I never sort of went that way. I wasn't myself a very shy person who didn't talk much. I'm not that anymore. Now I'm a very talkative, yappy person. And that came out through singing in choirs. And so I think my performance is just um, singing in choirs. And I, I mean, I do perform in my booth. So just a little bit with the puppets. And I find for me, sales are uh, better when I have the puppet on my hand and I talk to people and they can see how it works. So I imagine most businesses, if there was, if the salesperson was walking around with a puppet on their hand talking, hey, oh, would you like to buy something from me? I think most people <laughs> would run screaming, but for you, it works out well. I, yeah, I don't actually say buy me. I, I sort of like, I'm, I'm quiet about it. Like the, the bunny, I'll just, you know, be sort of crawling on my arm or uh, the octopus, I wiggle the tentacles or, you know, the rabbit in the hat, the rabbit pops out of the hat, things like that. So I'm subtle. I'm subtle. I'm a subtle puppeteer. <laughs> a sales puppeteer. It's very, it's very, very niche. <laughs> yes. So w- when did you decide to go pro as a puppet maker? What, what happened? Did you make a big sale? I mean, I know you, you got asked by your, your, your kid's teacher, but what was it that made you go, I'm going to do this full time. I'm going to do this. 
Yeah, for me, it was very, it was kind of slow. So I decided that I wanted to stay home with my children. And so I sort of set aside what I had been educated to do and decided to make things. Then when the teachers were interested, I thought, well, maybe I can make a little money by selling what I do, right? And I started to sell to parents and the, and the schools. And then back in, at those times, there'd be little shows in schools and churches and in little towns, you know, spring shows and things. And I started to take all of my things, including the puppets there. And um, I found, yes, I can sell these. I can make more and more of these. So I started to do bigger and bigger shows. And there's, you know, like a a show circuit sort of in Ontario where you can go from town to town. And some of the shows are quite large in three, four, five days. And then finally, I decided I had gone when I was in university to the One of a Kind show. And I thought, wow, I would love to sell something at the One of a Kind show. So I thought, hey, I'm going to apply to the One of a Kind show and see if I get in there, that's going to be my thing. So it was when I was accepted to One of a Kind, that's when I decided this will be a thing. I will make my business and uh, I'll get a name for it. I'll register it. And this is it. I'm going to do this business. And it was great because I could do it at home. It took over the whole house, but I could do it at home with the kids there. And I could still be taking them here and there wherever they wanted to go. So I was able to have a a job and a business and still fulfill what I wanted to do as a a stay-at-home mom. How did you manage to balance being a full-time parent as well as a full-time business owner in those early days? Well, it's, it is difficult. I have three children. So I was trying to juggle the different schools they went to and all their different activities and still make my puppets. But the one thing about having your own business and working from home is you can set your own hours. So it, it meant a lot of evening work, uh, weekend work. And when they're at school, trying to jam in as, as much as much as you could. Um, so you're always forever interrupted. Uh, the one thing I found difficult was that people would be, because I would stay at home working, a lot of your friends that aren't necessarily working, don't realize you're really working. So they're, they're forever phoning or dropping by or whatever. But I mean, it's a juggle and you never get as much done as you want to. And um, you, you feel a little, a little stressed, but you do get that uh, satisfaction of being with your children and, and uh, spending a lot of time with them. You also have a tendency to, um, to manage them and have them help you out. Like as they get older, well, you can cut that out or, you know, <laughs> you can help me build this display or, or, you know, things like that. And I get their friends, friends helping you to set up. Booths right. You have a puppet sweatshop. Like I get it. Yeah. Hey, yeah, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> But it's really just managing your family and getting help where you can. <laughs> they learned very early how to sell. <laughs> yeah, bring them out. Please, sir, please buy my puppet. I don't know why they have British accents, but you know, it's, it's sort of an all-over thing. Um, so tell me, you, when you said you, you, you went to that first, that first one-of-a-kind show, and I'm assuming you made a couple of sales. Uh, that really sort of put things over the edge. Were people, was the reception good? Was it? Was, I mean, I'm assuming that that the show itself was a smaller show. Obviously, that that time ago, right? Because how long ago was that? Um, I started with the spring show uh, twenty nine, maybe thirty years ago, and it was it was at the automotive building at that time, so there were fewer people. And uh, the automotive building was a bit of a challenge in itself. Uh, had really 
bad. I don't know. It just, it didn't run smoothly going through it. It wasn't, it wasn't like convention centers are now, but I went into it and I, I got as much done as I could, which was nowhere near as much as I needed. And it was East, it was an Easter weekend and good Friday. I thought, Oh, good Friday. People will be at church and people will be at synagogue. Cause it was both holidays the same time that weekend. And I thought you won't see anybody, but that was back in the days of no Sunday shopping and, and uh, Good Friday, everything was closed up and we got to the show and it, it was lined up around the building twice. You could hardly get in the building. And we went in and my dear parents, they were, uh, I don't know, in their 70s then and they were, they were helping me. And uh, my mom said she'd sit at the booth. She had no idea what she was up against because I had, I had a whole bunch of puppets that I had hand sewing just left to do. And uh, so I would, I would run up to the exhibitor lounge and be sewing away and my mom would be, you know, would be uh, making things. And the only way people could talk to you then was to run up to you because we didn't have cell phones. So (laughs) we had no way to communicate in the building. Right. So they were like, you're running out, you're running out, you've got no, no product. And it was, I mean, it was exciting, but it was a nightmare. And it was like, what if the organizers see that I'm running out? I've got to keep tossing out product as, as fast as I can. And uh, it was like that for my first uh, four or five shows, just trying to get enough product made. And I remember one show, my husband took my kids' puppets and and they were like, dad's selling our puppets, mom. And, it's like, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, no, you can't sell those. <laughs> it was, you know, but he's like, I've got nothing left. So it, it was, uh, you know, you you think you've got enough, but you don't. And I, I've, I've not had that kind of uh, frenzied excitement for many years at one of a kind, because I know more what I'm doing now, but the first, the first show is, is quite the thing. And I laugh at the new exhibitors because uh, everything for them is spreadsheets and planning and how many of these should I have and how many of those should I have? And I think, oh God, back in the day, we we weren't talking to each other over Facebook or Instagram. We were just doing the best we could. And it's just, I feel like saying to them, make as much as you can. And if you don't sell it now, you'll sell it later. Like quit stressing about, should I make this? Or You'll always make the wrong things. You'll always make a hundred of this and you'll sell one and you'll make 20 of this and people want a hundred. So it's, that's just how it is in sales. You just never know, but they, they have all their algorithms and their things that they want to do. And that's not, that's not how it was back in the day. You just made as much as you could, you know, as many different things and hoped for the best. And if that thing sold out, then you push the next thing, you know? (laughs) So you're telling people, oh, this is the best puppet ever. And then it's gone. And then the next one's the best puppet ever, you know? Well, and this is coming from a real, from a real salesperson. I mean, you, you come from a commerce background. Is that right? Yes, I do. I, I took commerce and finance before I became a puppet maker. <laughs> so. Do you find you're applying your commerce and your finance background and education well? Is it coming to good use? Yeah, I mean, I can do my own books. I, I know about inventory and I know about, I, I know about a lot of these things. I can do my own taxes and things like that. But also I did take marketing courses. Of course, marketing is not what it was back in the day, but uh, it, it, it was... It was a good thing to have, a good background to have, because I knew how to do that. So I could do it, um, as my daughter says, you can do it all yourself, mom. And, and, and I could, you know, I, I could do all of those, those things and, and I could do the creative aspect as well. And I needed my husband for the brawn to put the booth together, but, <laughs> and, and he's the, he's the driver and the <laughs> things like that. But, but for me, 
I could do the creative and I could do the accounting and I could do the, do the marketing and uh, things like that. And yeah, it, it was a good background to have going into a small business. I think um, you're very lucky if you have that kind of background because some people are creative, but they have no background for numbers and they're just awash when it comes to what do I do with all this? How, how do I record it? What do I save? You know, and and is this, if I spend this much on this, am I still making money? I know now people use these incredible equations to get the cost of what they're going to sell things for and things like that. But I don't know that I necessarily do that. But <laughs> I, I, do know if, I do know if I'm making money or if I'm not making money. So that's good. Well, and you had mentioned your husband's involved. You mentioned your kids are involved. Is this a family business? I mean, is anybody else helping make the puppets? I, I make, I do pretty much everything. I have friends that come to the booth for fun to help me sell. And I've always had my, I always, when my kids were little, they would be at the booth. Uh, they're like gone off on their careers now, so I don't see them. And um, uh, mostly I do do, uh, it's it's mostly me. It's my business. It's a, it is a sole proprietorship. I do all the designing. I do all the purchasing. I, I do all the the cutting. Um, it, last year, well, not last year. I keep forgetting. 2020 has come and gone. In in 2019, um, I moved into a, a country home with a, a studio, which has been very exciting. And I was able to hire um, a local young man to come and help me do some of the cutting. So that was the first time I've really had a, a an employee cutting for me. I've I had my kids do it before, but. Mostly it's all me. I, no one else has ever done any of the sewing. It's all made beginning to end by me, design right to the end. Why is that so important to you, to do it by hand, to do it yourself? What does that bring to it? Well, for me, it's a feeling of accomplishment and a feeling that it's mine. I know the quality of what I've made. My puppets are truly an old-fashioned craft industry, I think, with the actual artisan doing everything. I'm, I'm not a small business that has cutters and sewers or has things cut in a manufacturing site or, or whatever. I'm more old school, I guess, and that's important to me. I take pride in that. I take pride in the fact that it is handmade. I mean, it's sewn on a machine, but a sewing machine, but it, it is handmade. And it's very important that they're my designs, that I'm not using a pattern. I guess it's a, a feeling of ownership and quality for me, it's exciting too, because when people come into one of a kind, young people come into the one of a kind show, often they have had one of my puppets and they still have them and they're handing them, handing them down to their grandchildren and, um, and they tell me about it. And sometimes they'll bring them in and show me and, and then they'll want to see what's new and what can I buy. And they're also excited when some of the same old patterns are there because the patterns I change them as the years go on. They they evolve. But the dragon, I still make the dragon. The dragon has changed very much. In 2019, I, I made the dragon with uh, fabric from Japan. I went to visit my daughter in Japan and I bought uh, kimonos there, uh, vintage kimonos, and I, I uh, took them apart. And then I used that fabric to make the wings on the dragon. So I called it a kimono dragon. And when I go away and I travel, which is one of my loves, I travel, I love to travel and photograph things. I like to, I like to read about things. And I read about kimonos and they have always repurposed their fabric from kimonos. So I felt that I was carrying on that tradition 
it was a horrible task. Kimonos are made in the most complicated, fantastic, hand-sewn way. And it took me days and days to take it apart. And I really wondered if this was the wisest thing to do as the, as the countdown to one of a kind was coming. And uh, my trip to Japan was late in the year, so I didn't know if I'd get them finished, but I did. You have a very interesting travel companion. Yeah, it's my puppet. (laughs) Uh, It's my puppet, Traveling Millie. And uh, Traveling Millie evolved in a very interesting way. So my children have, uh, as as my family, uh, live and work in different parts of the world. And my daughter uh, is a journalist, and she was working in uh, Akaloit Nunavut. And I thought, oh, I'm going to do a blog. I'm going to do a blog, you know, I don't know what I called it. Mom travels to see your children or something boring like that. (laughs) Yeah, something very boring. And I thought, okay, and I'm going to go up to a Calouite. And I was like, how exciting is this? I mean, how many people get to go to Nunavut? And uh, and it's expensive to go to Nunavut, and I got to stay with her, which was wonderful. So I thought, I know what I'll do. I'll take some puppets with me. So I took a mouse puppet, and I took a lamb puppet. I called him Eli. And so I took the two of them. I thought, I'll, I'll go up. And I took a whole bunch of puppets because my daughter said that um, it's hard for them to get toys and things up there, you know. So I took a whole bunch of puppets and I thought, well, I'll give some away and, you know, maybe some people will buy them or whatever. So anyway, I went up and I, I would take these puppets with me. And then as I took Millie, the mouse, I noticed that people started to be interested in Millie. And she was just called Millie the mouse then. I wasn't calling her traveling Millie. And, and there was a parade. I was up there for Canada Day and there was a parade and my daughter was in the parade. And I said, oh, I'll take Millie down and we'll wave at you. And so I'm doing that. And people started to come up and like, what is this? Who is this? What is this thing? And uh, so I said it was Millie the mouse. And a lot of people were like, can we buy one? Can we have one? And my favorite was a little boy who came up and... Um, he said to me, can I touch it? And I said, oh, yes, you can touch it. And he said, well, I just got to go check with my mom because I don't know if I'm allergic to to this. What, what is it? I said, well, it's a mouse puppet. I don't know if I'm allergic to mouse fur. And I said, no, 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 it's, <laughs> it's, it's not real fur. It's made out of polyester. So he ran off and asked his mom and she said, yes, you could touch the polyester mouse. And <laughs> so then after that day, I mean, a calloid isn't very big. <laughs> And after that day, when I would go out, you know, people seemed to know who Millie was. And um, and I thought, well, this is kind of interesting. Maybe this is something I could do. I could do a thing, right? So I, when I got back, I changed my blog to Traveling Millie. I thought my next trip, which was to go visit my son who was living in Asia, I thought I'll take Millie and it'll be Traveling Millie. But then blog was very difficult on travels because you couldn't necessarily get the internet and be doing it. So... So anyway, I decided to take photos, and I'm now I'm doing children's books. Uh, they're kind of like a scrapbook, uh, like Millie's making a scrapbook of her trip. And the first one, I only got one finished, and that was a Calouite. But it it doesn't have many pictures of Millie because she wasn't Millie when I was in a Calouite. So I went back. <laughs> I went back to a Calouite, and the next time we went, Millie got to be in the, the Canada Day Parade, and and that was fun, and I took a lot of pictures, and now I'm editing my book. So there's no books available yet because I'm rewriting the Calouite book before I get on to my book to go into China and my book to go into Japan. Did you find that the response to traveling Millie, I mean, has, has this been a big response? Is this something that has A, sold more puppets for you and B, kind of taken on a life of its own, it sounds like? She has taken on a life of her own. And when I was at the craft shows, 
I would always have posters of where she'd been and the the book. And in 2018, I started a thing where for every $20 you spent on a traveling Millie, I would give $5 to the food bank in a Calloway because that's where she started. And, and just like people will look at it and go, oh, that's cute. And then I'll say, oh, that's traveling Millie. And so the first thing I did after the blog was I gave Traveling Millie her own Facebook page. So then I'd say, oh, you know, what, what puppet do you know that's got their own Facebook page? So, you know, I'd give them the card. So people would come in and they'd at least leave with her card with the Facebook page. And she became my bestseller. For sure, Millie was my bestseller. I, first, she was a big puppet. And she became a little puppet you could pop in your pocket and was easy for taking photos. And this year, I made a new Millie with a, with a mouse so she could talk. But I know that you can't talk without a mouth, but it's a lot easier with a mouth. (laughs) So, because there's different kinds of puppets, right? Some with an open mouth, some, you know, with a stuffed head and arms. Uh, So, (laughs) not that she didn't have a mouth, but it didn't open, right? So she could, so she was, it's easier. Kids make them talk more when it opens. So, yeah, I think it's, it's definitely become my hottest selling puppet. It used to be the turtle and, and, and the dragon. And now, now it's Millie and I'm going to make Millie's friends. Uh, I'm going to make friends to the different places she went. And I'm also doing these postcards. So whenever anybody buys a puppet online, they get postcards of Millie here and there, like on the Great Wall or wherever. I, I I just sent off some puppets to a lady, just some little finger puppet worms. And I sent her her Millie postcards and she messaged back, oh my gosh, I just love those postcards. What program did you use to put your puppet in front of the Great Wall? <laughs> so I emailed her back and I said, my puppet was on the Great Wall. So, Well, that's what I was going to ask you. I mean, obviously there's a lot of easier ways to get Millie to find her way around the world and just superimpose her on a bunch of stuff. But there's something truly nice and authentic. And again, falling under the handmade and the authentic and the real that you've subscribed to for all these years in making your stuff, it seems like it makes sense that Millie actually be on the, the Great Wall and actually be in Nunavut. Yes, exactly. I, I think that uh, I think that it's uh, it's important for me, especially if I'm talking about those countries or those you know territories or the city or where, wherever she happens to go, because everywhere has a different culture and everywhere has different things to learn. And part of puppets and part of Millie, I want to be teaching children and adults, if they feel like reading it, about what it's like there. You know, like I had customers come in and look at the book. Different reactions. Uh, I went to Nunavut in the summer. I wanted to go in the winter, but then my daughter moved away, so I haven't been in the winter. But just to see the tundra. And I found the tundra to be a magnificent, stark beauty. Maybe as a photographer and an artist, I looked at it in that in that way uh but people would look at it and go oh oh I don't know if I like the look of that place it looks so stark and um and then other people would look at it and go oh my goodness look at all the little flowers who knew it was covered in little flowers you know so it's I mean it's all in the eye of the beholder and then also when I go to different countries I like I like to look for fabrics I like to look for interesting things and Millie usually ends up with a scarf from that country. So the year I went to China, she had a scarf with, uh, with fabric from China. And when, when I went to Japan, she came back with fabric from Japan. And all of the puppets were inspired with fabric from those countries when I traveled there. So it expanded the olive oil puppet, not just Millie. <laughs> so it's fun. Beyond the shows that you do, do you sell in stores? Do you sell online? I mean, how, how is your stuff getting to people? 
Well, I had always had this great fear and um, I didn't want to sell online. But last year, no choice. Have to sell online. One of a kind was online. Um, there was a program from the government um, that helped us to get Shopify uh, websites, and uh, they had a designer that would help you design it and helped you learn how to do things on your website. So I was like, this is the opportunity. This is the time. Uh, selling is changing now. We don't know how going forward, when there'll be a craft show again, or when you'll be able to sell, or even selling in stores has been difficult. So um, it's been a, a great opportunity. I've learned so much this year. And, and it's great as you age and as your business ages that you get new inspirations and you get new things. So for me, the new thing has been selling online, not being afraid to do things online. I had to try and figure out how do I sell online with just a picture when I'm a person that sells by showing how the puppets work. So um, I started doing videos and I put the videos with the puppets. My first videos were, were dreadful. I think they're getting better. <laughs> um, so every, every week I'm doing videos, and uh, but now it's getting more difficult because I can't have a person in to help me. So now I use a little remote and you can sort of see my hand clicking the remote. I'm, I'm, I'll get better. I'll get better at it. But I, I think, you know, having to, I've always liked social media, but now I've got to push social media as a way to sell. Uh, so I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to be getting into this year. This year, I, I want to get into these ads on Facebook and Instagram. And you got to find a way to drive people to your to your website. And uh, one of a kind being online was, um, you know, was was another inspiration to to get myself online and do something new and sell in a different way. What have you found in your journey into online selling and stuff? What's particularly been working for you? Well, the videos have been working. So I do, um, I, I've been doing a Friday puppet of the week. I did it all the way up till Christmas. Uh, I haven't done any uh, so far in 2021. I have to get on that, but I've been in the, in the January. I don't want to do anything uh, mode. I've been buying fabrics and drawing up things, but I, I haven't actually done anything to do a video. But the videos were great. When you're on these online craft shows, uh, your products tend to get lost in the search. And a lot of the search engines, it comes up by when you put your product on. So having a Friday puppet of the week, every Friday, I'm putting a new puppet on. So that means that it goes to the top of the search. And on Instagram and on Facebook, I find that my followers have contacted me. And usually I do sell puppets from that Friday of the week puppet over the weekend into the beginning of the week. And then people will say, oh, I haven't bought yet because I want to see what this week's puppet of the week is before I buy. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, you know, it's, and, and it's fun and it, it makes me, um, it makes me go ahead and make a new product every week. <laughs> so I got to get into it again. I think I want to start getting into doing things for maybe for spring and start doing these uh, Friday puppet of the weeks for spring. It's, it's snowing here right now. And maybe, maybe uh, thinking of spring is, is a good thing. Well, let me ask you, Alan, what sort of advice do you have for somebody who wants to get into the puppet game? Um, well, I think, you know, go for it. It's, uh, it's a lot of fun. It's definitely a niche. And it is a hard slog to sell them because, for example, on One of a Kind, when people were searching, people don't necessarily know online 
what they're what they were interested in. The advantages in the live shows is that when they're coming down that aisle, it's like you're fishing. And uh, my bait is uh, playing with that puppet and I can draw them in and, and sometimes I catch them and get a sale and sometimes I don't. <laughs> but, you know, puppets are not going to fly off the shelves like some other things. So you, you have to really love the idea of making the puppets and you have to think of what your puppet can do that will mean that you can, you're going to be able to sell it and you're going to be able to make money at it. It's, it's not something everybody's looking for. There's, um, there's a very limited time that parents are going to be buying that product. So you, you really got to feel, is this what I want to do? Do I love puppets? Or do I want to make puppets for entertainment, for selling to entertainers to use, or, you know, for on TV or film? And maybe, maybe that's, that's the way t- to make the big bucks. I love it. It's a lot of fun and I, I like doing it. And I, and I know that, um, that I, I do have a challenge. Like I have a challenge online selling because they don't look as good flat. They don't have the hand in it. <laughs> <laughs> They're not alive. Right. And, uh, they, they need to be, they need to be moving. Maybe I need a card, like, you know, a Harry Potter card that, you know, you pick up the card and the puppet moves or something, <laughs> you know, it's just, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it, it, it can be difficult, but if, if you love it and you're dedicated to it, it can be very fulfilling and lots of fun. And when you see those kids playing with those puppets or when you have parents come in and say how much their children love it, it's wonderful. One of my nephews um, had a baby. That, that he and his wife had a baby this year, and I sent him a rabbit in a hat. And he sent me a picture just last week of this little two-month-old baby and said, he just loves it. Look at him. And I could see the baby laughing and it just makes it all worthwhile to me because I know there's lots of people out there that aren't related to me that have their babies laughing and people do send me photos, you know, so it's fun. Well, Ellen, where can people find out more about you and find your stuff online? Well, um, I have my website, which is lpuppetcreations.ca. You can also find me on Instagram or Facebook. Uh, Instagram and Facebook is also L Puppet Creations, but on Facebook, please look up the Traveling Millie Facebook page because it's wonderful, and you can see Traveling Millie in many places within Canada. You can see her in Singapore and Hong Kong and Malaysia and China and Japan. And she was supposed to be going traveling in 2020, but that who knows when she'll travel again. Maybe I will be doing the virtual pictures and plunking Millie in when front of When she gets places. vaccinated, then she'll go traveling a little bit. <laughs> yeah, or she'll be digital, <laughs> digitally traveling, like right. you were saying. Fair enough. Well, thank you so much for being on the show and sharing how you make a living. Well, thank you for having me. It was, it was loads of fun, and um, I really enjoyed it. Subscribe to Making a Living Show on Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, and pretty much anywhere else you get your podcasts. For more on the show, visit makingalivingshow.com and follow along on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. Making a Living Show is produced by Next Exit Media and hosted by me, Roby Levy. Thanks for listening.